Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast. This is Scott and Colby. And we have with us special guest, Mr. Walt Heyer. Thank you for joining us, Walt. Yeah, my pleasure to be on the Nerds Podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't make fun of us too much. No, I try not to. Yeah, did you, uh, did you, are you ready to nerd out with us? Today? I'm ready to nerd out. I, I'm not very nerdy, but I'll see what I can do here. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a hidden nerd inside all of us. Uh, okay, well, pull that nerd out. <laughs> yeah, sir. So we're, uh, speaking of, we're pl- plucking you out of the conference that's going on right now, the Ruth, the Ruth Institute Conference, uh, hosted by Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. And you are one of the keynote speakers for the, for the summit for this conference. Can you tell us about a little bit about what you'd be talking about today? Yeah, I'm actually going to be talking about um, the whole issue of language. Um, you know, whoever owns the language owns what's going on. And mm-hmm. terms like uh, transgender, uh, transitioning, gender dysphoria, and so forth are terms that are not really biblical terms. Right. Uh, the fact of the matter is um, there are no transgenders. No one can transition, and I haven't yet found one person with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. I have found that gender dysphoria is a symptom of something else. And so if we can use gender dysphoria as a tool to help us look deeper and find out what the real issues are that the person's struggling with. And so what we have to realize is that many years ago, the language uh, that they started to own was when they changed in 2013 the diagnostic manual uh, to gender dysphoria before it was gender identity disorder. And that's the DSM-4? That's the DSM-5, I five, believe, whatever one it is. And so what we know is that they chose to use the word gender uh, because they wanted to remove the stigma of having a disorder because before it was a disorder, gender disorder, and they went to dysphoria. The problem with that, that we have, you know, people are always saying, well, why is there such an explosion of people identifying as transgender? Well, it's because they took the stigma away, right? right. And right. so no longer is a, the disorder used. They use the word gender dysphoria. And the fact of the matter is, that was an invention. There is a dysphoria that's been a, a regular term for many years, but it's called generalized dysphoria. But they're very clever in using words so that they control what people do, and they put gender in front of dysphoria as though it's gender dysphoria. So, it's, so if we if we want to get uh, real nerdy about this, yeah, uh, what what we really have is the fact that the the term proper term should be persona, mm. because you can change your persona. The persona is very flexible. And you can have multiple personas over a period of time, even during a period of a day. You cannot, however... Pre-coffee, post-coffee. Yeah. Yes, yes, all those things. And and you can don yourself with different apparel and change your persona. You wear a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, be a cowboy. And that's where the, the Latin words originally came from, like in the Greek proserpina, it's a change of the masks. Right. right? The, the tragedy and the comedy Exactly. Yeah. So so if we're, uh, you know, the, the, we're, we're dealing... I love the fact that uh, I can deal with the truth. And... So if we, can, if we can erase gender from this discussion and talk about persona, then we can begin to understand what we're really dealing with because no one in the history of mankind has ever changed their gender. 
because it's not possible to do. I mean, here's the, <clears throat> the real issue is that when the sperm hits the egg at conception, that game is over. There's no changes can be made. You can't, you can't have a chromosomal transfusion. You, you cannot <laughs> unwind what happened. And so uh, when, and the other one that really catches my hair on fire is when they, when they say, um, what gender were you assigned at birth? What? Yeah. No, standing, no. Standing in line. It, it, no one has ever had their gender assigned at birth. That's another lie. And again, when, we, when they, we allow them to use this language and don't challenge them on it, then they have made a, a headway into convincing people that because if you can tell people and convince them that their gender is assigned at birth, then, then the next step is then you can unassign it after birth. Right. So if we go, go back, back to the DMV, get a new exactly. But if we, if we can go back and understand that it's it's fixed and innate and unchangeable at conception, fully nine months before you're ever born. Right, right. So that that game is over. But you you can certainly alter, change, and fluctuate your persona, as I did. Uh, but yeah, so, please give us. Yeah, your background because so you're not just at, saying these things. No, at four years <laughs> old, my grandmother started cross-dressing me in a purple cro uh, purple dress wow. that she made for me, and and it was as a four-year-old. You know, you, the one thing you don't know at four years old is the word consequences. Hmm. That doesn't exist. No. You don't. You have no concept. All you're doing it right at that point. It's a. It's sort of a game. Grandma's helping you with it. It's fun. Grandma's enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. What you don't know is, however, that there's a thing uh, where you're actually altering the brain because at four years old, the brain is in its early development. And so that you're, you're installing within that young child actually confusion, which I identify as child abuse. It's emotional and psychological child abuse. That's the way it should be viewed, I believe, because here I am, I'm 81 years old, and this started with me when I was four. So that's 77 years that I've been dealing with the purple dress. So if we think that putting a boy in a dress is benign and harmless, you're wrong. Yeah. You're flat out wrong. Wow. Because it destroyed my life in so many different ways. And so that's why I'm so passionate about having parents do not do this to your children. Because it leads to all kinds of other things. And as a result of grandma putting me in the purple dress, I was sexually abused because then someone looked at me, my uncle looked at me as... In the wrong way. In, in a way that, oh, well, you know, he's this and that, and I can sexually abuse him. So the purple dress actually resulted, again, we don't know the word consequences, right? Yeah. And Grandma didn't either. I mean, I don't blame Grandma. This is 1944. Who knew, right? Yeah, yeah. So, But today we do know. And, and we've known for many years, really, since the 70s, we've known the harm, but people don't want to dive into this. So this is what affected my life and confused me. And when I went to, quote, one of those gender therapists, you know, uh, he said, well, you need hormone therapy and surgery to resolve the issue. What year about was that? That was 1981. Okay. So I was in my, I first went to see him when I was 41. I had my surgery at 42. Uh, identified as Laura Jensen for eight years, um, and but there were there was no Walt Heyer out there mm -hmm. saying this is insane, this is 
the fact of the matter is every component of what they call transitioning is actually self-destructive behavior. Every bit of it is self-destructive. You're destroying your name, you're filling yourself with hormones that don't belong in your body, and you're allowing someone to cut your body up. Yeah, that's utterly destructive. It is destructive. It's self-abuse. And so if, if we look clinically, you know, as a nerd, we should look clinically at things, right? Sure. And so if we look clinically at it, then people who are in a self-destructive state need psychotherapy to find out why they're in a self-destructive state. We don't, we don't give an alcoholic the keys to a liquor store and say, hey, go for it. Right. We don't give somebody who has a disorder about buying things unlimited credit cards. Or a gambling person put them in Las Vegas and give them a place over the casino. But that's what we do with people who are struggling with these identity issues. We give them hormones and sort of play the game with them and push them further into their demise. And so my whole message is trying to get people to understand, uh, if you look at what happened, uh, I call it adverse childhood experiences. It's actually a term that's been around since the 60s. Um, it's been researched by many different Kaiser Permanente, as an example, started researching adverse childhood experiences. And, we, and, and a boy being cross-dressed is actually an adverse childhood experience, and it causes psychological damage. And what we understand from adverse childhood experiences is, that, and, and I'll mention this today when I'm speaking, is that it actually changes the brain, adverse childhood experiences, changes the brain at the, at the deepest level where our identities are formed. And so we're actually changing the brain. We're interrupting the normal process of development and introducing this foreign idea that they can become something that they can't become. And so um, if we begin to understand how much abuse is going on and how the psychological damage is done, and what I have found when I start working with people, and as an example, if a parent writes me and said, my son's transitioning, he's a transgender, and he's got gender dysphoria, I automatically write back and say, well, he's not a transgender, he isn't going to transition, and he doesn't have gender dysphoria, now let's find out what's wrong. Yeah. Because that's really, you know, and that's because I don't want to use their language. Mm -hmm. And when I don't use their language, you know what happens? I find out what happened. A hundred percent of the time. Cut through the fog and get to the truth. You know, if this, this affirmation stuff is the most destructive thing you can do. We shouldn't be affirming anybody. As Catholics, uh, as Catholic nerds, you know, sacrament of reconciliation, we don't go in there to affirm, no. to be affirmed in our, <laughs> no. in our sins. And it's not even about justification or explaining the behavior. It's, I did this, it is remorseful, I need to make amends to set my life in a better place. So it's, yeah. And can I ask you, like, so when you say personas, that actually strikes a chord with me because my professional life, I'm in experience management. In the corporate world, okay, personas is the the big buzzword right now. Right. So companies, instead of marketing, where you you try to have your product, price, place promotions, and meet the customers, the shift is actually understand the customer as a persona, oh, yeah. so that you can adjust your product and you can adjust everything to meet them where they are. Right. And so when you say that, like you know, not affirming or you know, people classifying it as personas, it's it's the medical world, it's the social pressures, trying to meet someone in persona. 
to a firm, but also there's a lot of other economic benefit that comes from that. There's a lot of things that go around that that I don't think people are really talking about. So it's interesting to see, like, even the, the corporate approach is applied in the social context in a way that kind of yeah. makes sense. So I'm trying to get people to change the language. Because yeah, if yeah. we go back in, in time and go back even to the 70s, uh, what what this was never called transgender back in the seventies. Yeah, what was it called? The... Tra- transvestite. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Crossdresser. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, they're, they're, you know. So, and and if we look again, I, I'm I'm so interested in the language because language is so important. Mm-hmm. If we look back, you know, they originally called it sex change surgery, and then you know people came out and proved you can't change somebody's sex. So then they called it gender. Uh, gender surgery or gender reaffirming surgery, gender reassignment surgery. And so that didn't work. So now it's gender affirmation surgery. So you, you see, anytime somebody has to keep renaming an issue, you know they don't have the science on their side. That's the, the logical fallacy of post hoc ergo propter hoc. You are this now, therefore you always were, so we're affirming it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, and that that's really uh, my my message is to try to get people don't use trans transgender, don't use transitioning because neither one of them are real. Uh, gender dysphoria was a made up term to make people not feel stigmatized by what's wrong with them. So if we can then look at when people die, and isn't this true? Everybody does the self identify. You know, nobody's diagnosed with anything. They self-diagnose. I have gender dysphoria, I'm a transgender, and I'm in a transition. But there's no clinical evidence any of that is true. In which right. the contrast to that, they go to a doctor with another condition. The doctor asks questions. What are your symptoms? What's going on? What are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, they try to get to the root of the issue so that they can offer treatment or therapy. But you're saying in these cases, there really isn't any investigation as to where it comes from. No, and, and I use a, a two or three questions when I approach people who tell me that they're transgender, they're transitioning, and, and I say, well, it's not true, but let me ask you three questions. Uh, first, why do you want to destroy who you are? Isn't that a great question? An ontological question. It's like, why do you want to destroy who you are? And then I ask him another one. I say, why do you think you'll be better off identifying as someone you can never become. Yeah, those, are, those two are good questions. And the third question is, what caused you to not want to be who you are? Yeah, yeah. Those are three key questions that get people to reflect on why they have this, what I refer to as disordered behavior. So they were, why do you want to destroy who you, who are. you are? Right. What, and and, and what, why do you think you'll be better off? Yeah. Being someone you can never be. That you can never be. be. And, and then what caused you? Mm. And, and what we find out the causal things oftentimes is the Internet yeah. or my friends or I was sexually abused or I was emotionally abused or my father died or we have these different uh, what we call adverse childhood experiences. They're actually called ACEs. It's, it's, it's a diagnosable, well-known studies have been done on adverse childhood experiences. And Quentin Van Meter talked about it yesterday in his talk. So I'm not making anything up. Sure, that we're, sure. This is clinical stuff that's been around since the 60s. And we're, we, unfortunately, on, on the side of faith, have sadly embraced their language. 
And, and we should be fighting back against yeah. using their language at every opportunity. Like Dr. Jordan, Jordan Peterson, Let, take him or leave him. You know, I'm yeah. not using your words. That's exactly yeah. right. And we, and we should all resist um, and teach one another as I'm doing today, I feel like this is an important lesson in trying to get people to understand that nobody's a transgender. I wasn't a transgender. There's a man who had surgery, who wore uh, women's clothing, who identified as it never was a female. Yeah, yeah. This may be a stupid question. Um, we love talking about parenting on our show because all of the co-hosts, we all have a slew of kids. Yeah. And uh, I've... I've my kids, you know, my boys might want to play with dolls. Mm -hmm. um, girls, you know, whatever. But uh, when I'm telling, when I, I'll take the doll away from them, and they'll, and uh, I've been called on it, you know, like you shouldn't do that. Um, and so, and I look and I, to myself, I'm like, well, what is my justif justification for this? My rationale, and I don't. It didn't come as I hoped it would. What, I mean, what would you... Well, what we know from studies is that the kids go through these phases. And so the, the, the word, if we begin to affirm them mm -hmm. in playing with dolls, okay. that's a different story. What we know is that 90% of them grow out of these behaviors. It's the, it's the affirming part okay. that locks them in. I think most important when, when we're looking at a child that we're become concerned about, it's how we approach that child. That we don't want to do anything that would be traumatizing to them. Right. Like and, I know, and, I wouldn't spank them for playing with dolls. Right. Like but but we might want to gently move them to do something else. It's not so much take the doll away as to say, hey, why don't Bobby, let's go over and do this. Or redirect the attention. Redirect the interest. I think this is, and it, that's better, I think, if we can do that, is find a way to redirect interest and point them in a different direction. I mean, G.I. Joe's used to be more like dolls, and they used to be a lot cooler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's also a problem with the toy company, but whatever. Yeah. So I, I think um, it's important to understand that all kids are curious, mm -hmm. but we don't take curiosity as a time to alter or change their gender identity or their social identity or their persona or anything else. It's not a time of change. It's, it's a time of experiment for them to learn who they are. And, and if we're going to affirm them, let's affirm them in who they really are. One thing, too, for parents, right, young parents, to, to understand the gravity of that, because as you were talking about development and, and adverse events, oh, I was just yeah. thinking recently, my wife and I, we have a one-year-old, and we learned that even the progression of learning to crawl and walk is a this massive development thing. Oh, yes. so like, just children, grabbing at things, like my glasses. But if children start walking <laughs> yeah. before they have fully developed crawling, it actually can develop um, dyslexia. It can develop other, like, oh, wow. other learning. There's a natural order. There's a natural order of, of growing. So putting something deliberately confusing in a child's life, even confusing for adults, yeah. just the weight of that and to, to try to understand it. Yeah, and it and it has consequences. Yeah. Isn't that something? I, I'm always amazed at how nobody ever uses that word in, in, in this discussion. So I bring it up every time because I, I kind of want to rattle people's cages a little bit and think yeah. about why would a, an 81-year-old man still be talking about a purple dress that Grandma put him in? Because it's harmful. 
because it's destructive, mm -hmm. because it, it changes the dynamic of the natural growth yeah. and development of a child that we should not be involved in. You know, that our, our ministry survives on book sales. Yes, okay. And so um, the books, Paper Genders, Trans Life Survivors, and A Transgender's Faith are the three core books. There's also Gender Lies and Suicide. That's a great book. And where, where can someone go to get these books? They can go to sexchangeregret.com and go to the bookstore and order the books. And we'll provide links for all the different books. Amazon is the Amazon is but if you go through, through the website. If you better. go through our website, we make another dollar. Okay. All right. So we'll make sure that all that is included in um, our liner notes for all everybody right. to see. Thank Great. you so much. Thank you. Hope that was helpful. Thank you for nerding out with us, the yeah. Catholic Nerds. This has been Scott Smith. Colby Allen. And our special guest, Mr. Walt Heyer. Thank you so much for your time with us. And um, please do subscribe to this podcast and share it with all your friends, Catholic or not, right thinking or trans thinking. And remember to stay right side up, even in the upside down. Good night, folks. All right. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. 